This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Life is interesting. Every person lives out their lives in their own unique way. Someone out there may have the exact same goals as you, but neither of you will take the same path to get there. Those paths can run parallel, perpendicular, or weave in and out of one another, but no two people will ever walk the same path from beginning to end, and that's what is so beautiful about life. These paths have a purpose. We all have a purpose here on this planet, whether you realize it at 10 years old or 75. But what happens if you're not given the opportunity to realize what your purpose is here? How are we supposed to know what our purpose is, or even someone else's purpose for that matter, if that person lived a shorter life than average? The answer is, a person's purpose on this earth doesn't have to show itself to have an impact. I know. It's a lot of heavy stuff to start off with in an episode, but I assure you that it's the perfect setting for today's episode. Lily Boulanger is one of music history's most influential music makers, and yet her story is often overshadowed by the careers of Beethoven, Haydn, Mozart, Brahms, Debussy, or any of her fellow composers before or after. Could that be because she only lived to the age of 24? leaving behind a repertoire of only 22 pieces of various genres and sizes? Or was it the fact that she was a woman, a sick woman, composing at a time when womanizing men dominated the field in Paris? It may be a combination of many things, but we are lucky that her music has made a resurgence in our modern musical world, and it's about time that she gets the recognition she so well deserves. Lully Boulanger, together with her older sister Nadia, would take that Parisian musical world by storm, aided by the environment that their parents left behind for them, and thanks to the hard work and efforts put forth by Nadia. Lily's life was short, but she lived it to the fullest, being the best that she could possibly be despite her physical limitations. This is The Composer Chronicles, a storytelling podcast about music through the ages. I'm Stephen Chigar, and this is episode number 57, Psalms and Sirens, The Life and Music of Lily Boulanger.
the Parisian musical scene was blossoming in 1893. The city was full of musical minds that were not only giving Paris some attention, but were also laying the foundation for the future of music. Debussy had begun work on his groundbreaking opera Pelias et Mérisande, and was just under a year away from working on his monumental prelude to the afternoon of a fawn. Ravel was making ways at the Paris Conservatoire, big enough for him to be expelled from there two years later, and Faure had recently taken up a position as inspector of the music conservatoires in the French provinces, giving young and curious composers the opportunity to be more inventive and less cookie-cutter in such a conservative musical scene. It couldn't have been more of an opportune time for Lily Boulanger to be born into the world in August of that year. Her father was a past winner of the most prestigious accolade in French music, the Prix de Rome. He was a successful opera composer and taught at the Paris Conservatoire, opening up the young girl to a wealth of resources when she would finally start showing her musical talents at the age of two. Her mother, Raisa, was a Russian princess, allowing her daughters to mingle in social circles that would only bolster their eventual careers. The musical lineage in the Boulanger family extended beyond the parents of Lily and Nadia. Their grandmother was Marie-Julie Hallinger and had been one of the most celebrated singers of her era, born nearly 100 years earlier than Lily, and their grandfather, Frédéric Boulanger, had been a noted cellist in his time. Lily would follow in the footsteps of her older sister, Nadia, who was also musically gifted and would reach heights never before achieved by a woman in the conservative Parisian musical hub. When Nadia was 10 years old, Lily would accompany her to classes at the Paris Conservatoire, being barely five years old. Gabrielle Faure had discovered something very unique about young Lily when she was only two. Lily had perfect pitch a rare ability allowing a person to recreate a musical note without the aid of a reference tone. After attending several classes with Nadia at the conservatoire, she would begin sitting in on classes on her own and studying the organ with Louis Vienne. She would take on singing and playing the piano, violin, cello, and harp, studying with some of Paris's most prestigious teachers. But these years weren't the easiest for her. At two years old, Right around the time when Ferré had discovered her musical gifts, Lily had contracted a severe case of bronchial pneumonia, just starting off her life of illness. A few years later, her father passed away when she was only six, leaving the family in a state of shock. Ernst's death was hard on the family, but fortunately it wasn't devastating. Lily was able to continue enjoying the social life that her parents had created, but Nadia was no longer able to enjoy it with her. Their mother didn't have a job, leaning against her aristotic background, although some scholars today believe she was putting on a charade and that she was the daughter of a German governess who only worked in Russia rather than being a Russian princess. Therefore, the Boulanger finances landed in the lap of the already successful Nadia. She was, of course, the healthiest of the two daughters, and her love for Lily was too strong to watch her struggle. Nadia promised to look after her little sister, a promise that she took seriously. When Nadia was 17, she entered into a relationship with one of their father's friends, Raoul Pugno. Raoul's and Nadia's relationship was quite intimate. They performed and collaborated with each other, but they were also romantically involved, despite him being married and having a daughter of his own. 
he and his wife, Marie Fisher, became a significant part of both of the Boulanger sisters' lives. Their social circles of musicians and artists would only extend the already privileged lives of the young girls, and Nadia made a great deal of money off of her collaborations with Pugno. Lily's privileged life aside, she was incredibly gifted as a musician. Other composers and musicians took years to learn what almost came instinctively for her. However, for someone who was such a child prodigy, composing came late for her. Her first compositions wouldn't begin until 1911, when she was 18 years old. No other compositions are known before this time in her life, which makes her entry into composition all the more spectacular. This is where we'll pick back up after the break. without music be like? I certainly don't want to know. This podcast would not exist. Luckily, we don't have to find out what that world is like. I do a lot of listening in a day between all of my favorite music and podcasts, and it's not just for entertainment. I'm constantly doing research for this podcast and switching back and forth between apps to listen to a podcast episode and then a piece of music can get tiresome if I'm trying to quickly switch back and forth. From an episode of Hey Riddle Riddle to Stravinsky's The Firebird Ballet Suite and then to Lady Gaga's latest album, I can listen to them all on Amazon Music whenever and wherever I want. I start listening when I get into my car, and then when I get home, I switch over to my Alexa while I cook dinner for me and my fiancé. Listeners of this podcast can join me in listening to all of the best music and greatest podcasts on Amazon Music Unlimited right now when you sign up today at getamazonmusic.com slash thecomposerchronicles and get your first 30 days for free. You can get unlimited access to any song and do all of that listening without any ads. So again, go to getamazonmusic.com slash The Composer Chronicles and start listening on Amazon Music Unlimited today. All of them involved the piano in some fashion, and three out of the five made use of voices. The most popular of these pieces from that year, and absolutely the most important for her start as a composer, was a piece written for solo mezzo-soprano, a three-part choir, and piano titled Les Sirenes. 
It premiered at one of her mother's exclusive musical gatherings. The evening was just like any other. Raoul and Nadia played piano duets. Maurice Ravel performed a selection of his own works and later stayed for dinner. And yet it was her own work that had been the highlight of the night. In her diary, she wrote the words, For the first time, things by me were played. To her excitement, Les Sirenes was encored. Her excitement would only continue to grow, but with that excitement, her illness would resurface itself and cause her great pain. To help her through this newly found success as a composer, she had her teacher Georges Cassad, who was also a teacher at the conservatoire. Just having Cassad there at her debut as a composer meant the world to her, and she was grateful to have him by her side through this new leg of her journey. Les Sirenes would become the inspiration that she needed to compete for the Prix de Rome, a prize that her father had won decades earlier, the same prize that Nadia would also compete for four times in her life and lose. The judges could not move beyond the fact that Nadia was a woman and refused to give her the prize, but she became a feminist icon and a beacon of hope that these antiquated ways were nearly over. Even more, she paved a way for her younger sister, giving her an even better chance when it came time for Lily to enter. The Prix de Rome became Lily's sole focus in 1911. Her lessons with Calçade were dedicated only to writing pieces that would allow her to win. With only one year of composing under her belt, she formally enrolled at the Paris Conservatoire, supported by Gabrielle Fauré, in January of 1912. Her illness would only grow more and more, and her only goal would seemingly shatter right in front of her when during her performance of the Prix de Rome, Lily would collapse, causing her to be dismissed from the competition. Lily and her mother traveled around France in search of a doctor who could provide answers. Why was Lily so sick? What could she do to stop the bouts of intestinal pain high fevers, diarrhea, and extreme bloating. Today, it is believed that she may have had Crohn's disease or intestinal tuberculosis, but she would never get the answers she wanted. Every doctor seemed to have their opinion on how to help, from advocating starvation and intense exercise to overeating and complete bed rest. Nearly every doctor prescribed opium to combat the diarrhea, Lily's dedication to her craft as a composer only continued to grow. She re-entered the Prix de Rome competition again the following year, submitting her cantata Faust et Hélène. With it, Lily Boulanger became the first woman to win the Prix de Rome. It would open new opportunities that some only dreamed of, such as a contract with a publishing house, and in this case it was with the prominent publisher Ricordi. Within the year, Lily would write small works for piano, one for violin and piano, and another one for voice and piano. One of the pieces from this time is a piece for solo piano titled Dans Vieux Jardin. Let's take a listen to it. Thank you. 
Her time in Rome after winning the prize would prove to be some of her most productive. She composed several large works for orchestra there, but her illness would stifle her progression. She would be forced to return home so her family could take care of her. Her illness would worsen, keeping her bedridden for a great deal of her final two years. Lily continued to write, producing her three most popular and important works, but she couldn't do it alone. Her symphonic poem, Dans Soit Triste, was the last work she was able to compose by her own hand, without any help from anybody else. The remaining works composed by Lily were written down with assistance from Nadia, who not only was the family's financial support, but she was now her sister's caretaker and composition assistant as well. Her Piezu, which is speculated to have been a start at writing a requiem mass for herself, was completely dictated to Nadia, who wrote everything that Lily instructed her to. Both the Piezu and the instrumental work Don Matin de Printemps were Lily's final works. She had begun writing an opera based on Maurice Maeterlinck's play La Princesse Melaine, but she passed away on March 15, 1918, while writing the work. Lily Boulanger passed away at the age of 24 from the very disease that nobody could figure out how to treat or cure. Her short existence, minus her illness, was filled with happiness and love. She thrived in her environment, and today she, along with her sister Nadia, stand as pillars of the musical world, showing us that no matter how old you are, you can leave your mark if you allow yourself to live to your fullest potential. This episode of The Composer Chronicles was written, researched, and edited by me, Stephen Chigar, with theme music written by Daryl Banner. Other music and sources used for this episode can be found in the show notes. The use of Lily Boulanger's Dans Vieux Jardin was made possible by MuseOpen. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you can leave a rating and a review. Join our community of music lovers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cron Podcast. Here you can engage with our incredible community of music professionals and enthusiasts while staying up to date on news pertaining to our past guests. For more information about this podcast and to learn more about the composers, music professionals, and other future guests on the show, visit alexandrianmedia.org slash thecomposerchronicles. Next week, I have the pleasure of introducing you to video game and film composer Joel Green. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Alexandrian Media, Art and Culture for the Modern Era.